Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Dear God, we come to you this day knowing that you love us and that you care for us knowing that you give us uh, love and grace in ways that we are then to share that with others. So we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So I thought I would show you just a a handful of pictures from our, our, our trip to Israel. I'll, I'll do a little bit more later. Uh, this is the first one of 347 that I'm going to show you this morning. No, just, no. Uh, this is Trace and I at the Garden Tomb, uh, which is just an amazing experience. You know, uh, try not to go too long-winded in it because I, I could easily. Uh, but this is, uh, there are two places where they say that Christ was crucified and buried, that they dispute each other. And, and we were listening to our, our guide talk to us at the garden tomb. You know, ten years ago, also, I remember that. I was going, man, this is, this is really cool. There's a place that kind of looks like a skull in, in the mountain, which talks about the place of the skull. And this, uh, this tomb was uh, discovered 40 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, they dug down and they found it, and it just matches the accounts in Scripture. And, of course, when you're at the Garden Tomb, you have to take a picture at the Garden Tomb. So uh, that's one picture. Uh, yeah, I got to go back to places that I went 10 years ago. This next one is called uh, the Church of the Primacy. Yeah, this is where uh, Peter after he denied Christ three times and uh, Christ died and was raised again, uh, he met him on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter answered again, yes, I do love you, Lord, so feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed, feed my sheep. This is where uh, they say that that happened. The other thing that I loved about this trip is that I saw so many places that I, I didn't go the first time, like this next one. This, they, they know for sure that this place is actually Jacob's well. This is the well that Jacob uh, built way, way back in uh, Genesis. And then in the New Testament with Jesus, he met the Samaritan woman at this well. And we were able to draw up water from the well and drink it. Even Tracy, uh, we bought a little uh, jar and that uh, one of the priests that was there was sealing up and it has Jacob's well water in it. So just to be there at that time. I think this next one's my favorite picture. Um, <clears throat> you see that mountain behind there? That's uh, Mount Carmel. Uh, there, there was supposedly a, a building on the top of that mountain and uh, from the bus I tried to take a picture of it. And that's what I got. 
Yeah, so even, even on a trip to Israel, sometimes you don't get what, what you really want. But, you know, just to be there, Mount Carmel is the place where Elijah battled the uh, prophets of Baal and had that story in, in Second Kings, one of my uh, favorite stories that I think I preached on that a little bit. Uh, after that, Elijah ran to Mount Horeb, and that's where he saw God in a different way than what he was expecting to see God. And then there's this picture. This is uh, the top of Mount Tabor, where they say is where Jesus, where our scripture takes place today. So I was able to take that picture and went, well, looky there. I'll go ahead and just post that and say, this is where tradition says this took place. Now, the scripture doesn't really say it happened on Mount Tabor, but a couple of our old church fathers in the third century and in the fourth century, they uh, talk to people and they believe that this is where it happened. There is a, a church on top. We weren't able to get up there because I think you have to take taxis to get up Mount Tabor because of the. it's hard for a bus to get all the way up the mountain and everything. And I sure wasn't going to try to walk all the way up there after all the other walking that I did. So, um, but that's where our scripture takes place today. Um, our scripture is from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. Hear the word of the Lord. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James, and went on up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. And as the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good that we are here. We should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless and at the time told no one what they had seen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today is the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany. You can tell that we've kind of changed up a little bit up front here. We had green up for the Epiphany season. Now we have white to uh, celebrate the Sunday of Transfiguration. Now, the season of Epiphany is a season that happens from when the wise men come and visit Jesus uh, at uh, the manger and then all the way through to the Transfiguration Sunday. And we, and we use this season of the church to really focus in 
on Jesus' ministry. We see uh, you know, the Magi visiting. We, we, we remember our baptism uh, during uh, this season. We remember the uh, miracle in Cana where, where Jesus turned uh, water to wine, his, his very first miracle. We remember all of these acts, and we end up on top of this mountain where we see this, this declaration where Moses and Elijah are talking about the preparation of Jesus becoming the sacrificial lamb for the entire world. As Charlie mentioned in his uh, Young Disciples time, Wednesday we start the season of Lent, a season of repentance, a season of reflection, a, a season where we, we turn the, our eyes inward and we see how we can continue to grow and how we can purge those things in our lives so that we can walk in the light or we can allow those things that keep us from, from growing as disciples of Jesus Christ. We, we, we lay those aside, and we do that for many different ways, and uh, I'm excited about our, our Lenten series as we talk about the good and beautiful God and all of the narratives that we have about God that aren't true, and those narratives keep us from fully seeing who God is in our lives, and, and during this time, we will have spiritual practices for you to practice to hopefully allow that spirit to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But, but, but today we are on top of the mountain. We see Jesus shining like the sun. We see Jesus standing there with Moses and with Elijah. See, the Mount of Transfiguration is important because of who was involved in this experience. First and foremost, of course, it's important because Jesus was there. Jesus was the focal point of this experience. Jesus was, of course, the focal point of all of his ministry, but sometimes it's easy for us to get distracted and we forget to make Jesus the focal point and we start to focus on other things. Then the next important characters are, are, are the three disciples that are with him, Peter, James, and John. It's important to them because they are the ones who are, are tasked with the important task of, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. P Peter, with his, his uh, impulsivity, if you will. Uh, you know, James and John, we really don't hear much about them. They were probably just kind of sitting there nodding because Peter was, was Peter, and he said all of these different things. But if through them, the church and the message of the love and grace of Jesus Christ was shared fully. And then finally, it was important because of Moses and Elijah. You know, people wonder why were these two characters from the Old Testament brought forth? Well, when you look at Moses, he is the representation of the law. And then if you look at Elijah, he was like the, the king of the prophets, the most important prophets. And with Moses and Elijah both showing up at the top of the mountain of transfiguration, it was showing that through the person of Jesus Christ, 
the law and the prophecy all came together through him. That, that all of the things that, that were mentioned in the law and the prophets, they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It, it was a kind of a passing of the torch, if you will, to, to let the disciples know and to let us know that we have Jesus who fulfills all of our desires, who fulfills all of our needs, who fulfills all that we could ever ask for. All we have to do is to believe in him. When I look at scripture, one of the things that I love to do is uh, catch on clues about other things that may be happening. And one of those ways is whenever the scripture refers to something that happened before, and this is definitely one of those passages. The very first of the scripture, it says, about eight days after Jesus said these things. Now, whenever I read that for the first time, I went, hmm, what in the world did Jesus say eight days ago? What, what was it that was so important that as they were climbing up the mountain and as the writers were writing this, that they wanted to make sure that we realized that Jesus just said something extremely important. So I don't have this on the screen, but I'll go ahead and read this to you. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. This is in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. Jesus is talking to his disciples and to those around him, and he says to everyone, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves. They must take up their cross daily and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me will save them. What advantage do people have if they gain the whole world for themselves, yet perish or lose their lives? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I assure you that some standing here won't die before they see the kingdom of God. I think those are some of the most heaviest words in the Gospels, especially at that very beginning part. All who wants to come after me must say no to themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. See, what Jesus is letting us know is that our walk with God is a daily pursuit. We don't arrive there yet but we continue to walk faithfully in the way that that Jesus guides us and teaches us we continue to walk faithfully in, in Christ's ways so that we may be changed we we don't use what we have and, and where we are to say this is the standard no we say the standard that we follow as, as disciples of Jesus Christ is the standard that Jesus has given us. And Jesus continues that, sta that, that, that status after 
the mountain of transfiguration. Everything concludes, and the very next thing that Jesus does, he continues his ministry. <laughs> Can you imagine? You have this amazing high point where, where Jesus is, is transfigured. He, he's shining like the sun. He has Moses and Elijah standing next to him. If that were me, I would go, okay, I'm done. I've had enough. I mean, how could you top that? But no, what Jesus does next, he continues his ministry. Jesus and the disciples come down off of the mountain, and they run into a man whose son is possessed. And he, he actually uh, brought his son to the disciples, and the disciples weren't able to do anything. But Jesus frustrated, disappointed, he heals the son because Jesus knew that his task wasn't done up on the mountain. His task wasn't done there at the top of Mount Transfiguration. His task was to be continued. And so he continued that ministry to show his disciples that we move forward, that we continue to live in that love, and we continue to live in that grace that God gives us. As we close, I want to focus on Peter. Peter is such a fun character, and, and it was great being in the different places where Peter stuck his foot in his mouth, where, where Peter denied Christ, where Peter was restored. But this is one of those moments. Remember, as in our scripture, it says that Peter started to talk. Moses and Elijah were still there. Jesus, they were all shining. Peter just, bleh, just, just shoots out these words. Master, it's good that we are here. We should, be, we should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And I love this next line, but he didn't know what he was saying. At this amazing moment, Peter spoke up. At this moment, he spoke quickly, wanting to lift up a place. Wanting to say that this place, this moment, is the most important thing that you could ever have. But then Peter is reminded by a voice. A voice that, and a cloud that enveloped all of them said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. My friends, my question for you today is what if we are too busy trying to lift up our own agendas? and we refuse to take the time to listen to the Christ? What if we are so caught up in us, who I am, and we fail to listen to what Jesus is trying to tell us? Are we like Peter, who's trying, who is being too busy being reactionary 
instead of soaking up what Jesus is doing in front of us? Are, are we like Peter that, that wants to hold on to a moment and say that this moment is the most important thing when the fact of the matter is the most important thing is Jesus. The most important thing is his love and his grace. The most important thing is that we are called to be a people who love. Even though we may disagree, even though we may think that we are right and everybody else is wrong, or whether we think other things, when we tend to focus on one thing, saying that this is the way that we are to go, that this is right or this is wrong, and we fail to stop, and we fail to hear Christ call in our lives, then we're like Peter. We miss the whole point in, in, in this whole experiment that we have called life that we are to be Christ-like. We are to be ones in whom Christ dwells and delights. And we are called to live in God's unshakable kingdom. So we have this table. This table is a reminder for us because as... Charlie said, and as we remember, Lent is coming. And at the end of that time, Jesus gathered his disciples in a room. And he shared with them this meal. He shared with them that things are no longer the same, that things are different because of the love and grace of Jesus Christ, that things are different now because we have a Savior. And it's easy to forget that. It's easy to forget and to start think that the world is way past long gone. And it might be. But we have a Savior who loves us and cares for us. So as we prepare to receive this gift of bread and cup, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for experiences. But we pray that you don't let us hold on to those experiencing, thinking that that is the thing. Help us to always remember that you are the main thing your love and your grace that, that holds us, that, that comforts us, that, that builds us up. You allow that to sustain us. So as we come together as a family to partake of this bread and cup, allow your spirit to flow through us so that we may be your true disciples. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.